brought to you by the miraculous powers of Borg Pixie Dusk. It's Need Your Please, Hateful Voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I am your co-host, Peter. We have begun our journey into Season 5, my pedigree chum. We are sampling the delights of the showrunner, Brendan Braga. And uh, to that end, what episode did we watch? Season 5, Episode 2, Drone. Welcome back to the uh, world of the good microphone, though, I need to point out. That was a very rough uh, season four rip and uh, season five, episode one night. So it's yeah, good I, to hear you I, back. I did not enjoy time. using that headset either. It was my wife's headset. She was kind enough to let me uh, borrow it. Uh, definitely created a claustrophobic feeling. But thank God for Amazon. Even in the middle of a pandemic, they'll they'll send you that me a five dollar cable mm-hmm. no questions asked kind of love it but i wonder what the some... fucking uh the the vig on that was like how much did it cost them to get this thing i could tell you all sorts of stories about the the usb cable that's what i forged my empire on when i used to work for comp usa but nobody's here to hear about old late 2000s computer retail they want to hear about star trek uh we open up with this episode and we got Jerry Ryan hanging out in her little Borg alcove and she's got some piece of reflective material and she is practicing her smile. And uh, folks, you heard it here first. Jerry Ryan has an amazing smile. Uh, it's uh, breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Are you telling me that something about Jerry Ryan is attractive? I don't buy it at all. I've never watched anything with Jerry Ryan other than Star Trek Voyager and unfortunately Picard. Um, This is realistically the first time I've ever seen her smile uh, because they've gone to great lengths to keep her dour and stoic at all times. So seeing her with this huge, awesome smile is totally out of character and jarring. I mean, obviously she's a beautiful woman, but she has sold this stoic robot acts so well that to see her in such a completely natural human pose with a very professional smile um was really something to see uh in the in the episode uh it doesn't last long though I, i do have one one note here you said you've never seen jerry ryan in anything except star trek related things to my knowledge yeah May I recommend the cinematic classic Dracula 2000? Oh, Joe, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I will allow you to make that recommendation. Oh, it is, it is worth every. It's it's worth the investment. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort. It features Jerry Ryan in it. She smiles in it, mm-hmm. among other things. And I think I think you as a connoisseur of cheese of things that are so good so bad they're good and huge tracts of land uh would be a big fan of this film speaking of crappy b movies we discussed during hopes and fears ray wise and his uh role of uh douglas macarthur in a little known movie called fdr american badass Yes, which I I looked up the trailer to after our discussion, by the way. <laughs> I started watching it, and it is so bad, but so fucking awesome. And whoever the guy they have playing FDR is just sells the hell out of it nonstop. So I would recommend it. It's it's pretty good. Uh, back to this piece of shit episode. <laughs> oh, hey, there it is. <laughs> we Spoil- didn't talk, talk about how we like if we like this one or not. Spoiler alert, I fucking hated it. Uh, she's in there practicing her smile and the doctor comes walking into the, uh, cargo bay and catches her kind of, she gets all butt hurt cause she just got outed trying to be happy and they have some back and forth. And we find out that there is an exciting new nebula that is about to form and it's going to be dangerous as hell. So of course, Voyager has come to a complete stop and is hanging out right on the cusp of, um, the edge of getting fucked up and they're going to send out a death cart to go observe this thing. 
in fact, their least capable death cart. That's their type two death cart. That's what they send. Okay, so well, before we get into the what what isn't isn't great about the type twos, we've got a real moment in Star Trek history here where the doctor says he wants to take a future space picture and pulls out this fucking camera that is like twice as big as any Polaroid your grandpa had. Um, it's always funny to see technology that becomes fully realized in the year, I don't know, 2008 (laughs) (laughs) digital cameras and, and what they thought it would be and just how preposterous and big it is. But seven's not excited about it. The doctor is hella excited about it. And, uh, soon we find the doctor seven Bolana and, uh, Paris in this, type two shuttlecraft speeding off for the nexus and we find out about type two claustrophobia i'm sorry class two claustrophobia yeah the little anecdote that gets shared is that uh uh in the academy they would they would put uh cadets in them by the the half dozen and would you know stank like a used gym sock uh, after you opened it up afterwards, um, it serves as basically a bridge to them discussing building a shuttle, uh, which I don't I imagine you've heard of the Delta Flyer. Delta Flyer right. And yeah, I thought so, that would be cool foreshadowing. Yeah. Again, anytime Voyager lays groundwork or Voyager goes back and discusses its own history, uh, I'm interested in it. I, I, I will point out that... Uh, Ron Moore stole this idea for Battlestar Galactica uh, when he did those episodes about the Blackbird fighter that the the fleet creates kind of in the middle of, if I want to say, like season two. Mm. This is it's like the Battlestar Galactica version of Voyager creating uh, the Delta Flyer. But this is not a bad opening. And like so many other Voyager episodes, uh the the little background slice of life moment is where all the meat is on the bone that I'm interested in eating. Um, these type twos, we've talked about the continuity of shuttlecraft and other stuff. There's some type sixes, which we know very well from next gen. Uh, and then these type twos, which are the newer Starfleet design language, kind of the um, first contact era looking angles and stuff. So I thought it was interesting that Bolana was discussing what was like in the Starfleet Academy to be dealing with these things and just where she would have her Starfleet career would have actually fit in if she would have been a cadet post all good things during it or how that timeline works exactly. You know what? Let's see here. Uh, she began uh, at Starfleet Academy in 2366. So in the timeline, that would have been, looks like the beginning of season three of TNG. What? When she, yes. So 2366 is, yeah. So uh, Beverly Crusher returns to the Enterprise D. Jordy is, is promoted to Lieutenant Commander. Worf is promoted to Lieutenant uh that's season three. So that is when she started at Starfleet Academy and looks like she bounced out in her third year. So 2370. So she would have been out around season six of TNG. So that would have been like season three ish of DS nine season two. I think. And obviously they, couldn't really do it because they hadn't had it yet. But if there was somewhere in Voyager, like, or any of the Star Trek properties, like where were you at when you heard about nine 11, where were you at when you heard about Wolf three, five, seven, what kind of impact? Um, I'm sorry, Wolf three, five, nine. What, what impact did that have on your Starfleet career following after that? And I guess to a certain extent, well, not to a certain, to, to a high degree of that, we saw it in Picard with uh, first contact, stupid synth uprising, whatever. Uh, but it would have been interesting when you start looking how these characters' lives stack up. Uh, so yeah, they're they're in this type two. And one last thing about the type two because this is so much more fascinating than this bogus ass Borg we're going to get into. 
if you're going to put six Starfleet cadets on a Type 2 shuttlecraft, which you see the full extent of in one camera shot for up to a week. Where's the bathroom, Joe? <laughs> it's the uh, bottles that uh, are in, in the rear compartment. That's what they are. Gatorade you know bottles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what? Some technology doesn't necessarily improve in the 24th century. <laughs> Do they know? have like a little like a tube? That you use when you're at the banking, uh, at the bank teller, and like you just put your pee to bottle in there, it just shoots it out the side of the ship. It's a very futuristic looking Gatorade bottle. <laughs> Is it precision lines. transporter, and they just beam the piss out of you? I uh, mean, thinking that... yeah. we get to look that we get to see an inside of a Starfleet bathroom uh, in this episode, actually. So you know, do we? Yeah. With the gratuitous Bolana taking her clothes off scene. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's let's move forward. Let's move forward. Okay. So, the the surprise, surprise. Apparently, deciding to go and stick your dick into a proto nebula mashed potatoes uh, results in bad times for everybody. And the uh, crew that are on this particular uh, shuttlecraft, which is Tom, Bolana, the Doctor, and uh, Seven of Nine, have to be emergency beamed off. And uh, the premium jabroni uh, that they have work in the transporter, apparently, uh, Ensign Malaki? Ensign Malaki? Malaki. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, He's not good at getting the lock on the patterns. So, you know, the soul's starting to flicker as, as, as he's trying to get everything ironed out. And, uh, but he eventually pulls him in, but, but, uh, the docks, uh, mobile emitter starts to be on the fritz. And he, I guess what you'd call our momentary B plot is him being just like a real nervous Nancy about like where his mobile emitter is. Like, is this his security blanket? Like, Please fix it. Is it everything okay? I don't want to be locked into my hellscape of a of a sick bay anymore. It's funny that Voyager is so predictable and formulate that anytime you have a background, an, a non main cast member part of the crew say more than one thing, you're like, okay, well, this guy's a big deal. What kind of nonsense are they going to get into? What who's going to cut this person's face off and wear it like a mask? R.I.P. <laughs> Ensign Fred Durst, uh, R.I.P. Well, I guess Mulcahy lives through this, but it's just like, all right, this this guy's going to be a big deal. I'm going to keep both eyes on him. Uh, you know, standard fare for the doctor. I what was the last time his uh, emitter went offline and it was after Kess left. And then he had to like really relay rely on seven, nine because he couldn't get. Oh, it was a uh, god awful fucking one. Yeah. One. Which one was no 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 when the thing went offline he was stuck in there it was uh concerning flight oh okay yeah concerning flight he lost it because the da vinci hologram had it yeah uh but like in one it was failing so he couldn't leave sick bay and seven of nine had to so they were both episodes where the mobile emitter not working can we take a moment to reflect on on the fact that it's now officially stupid as hell that voyager just doesn't have hollow emitters installed in every major area because we already know they can build out a whole shit ton of hollow emitters on the ship and still have it function because of the killing game you know like so what prevents them from having some hollow emitters and engineering and on the bridge and in the conference room or wherever like key areas so the doctor can kind of zip zip you zip, can zip. synthesize 150 cryostasis chambers yeah. But you can't make a couple hollow emitters. I also want to go back, you know, something I want to say is one of my weakest shit award entries for the season four rip was there's only one fucking doctor on this ship. You've got 150 people. You've got holodecks. You could be going to holodeck college and and still there's only one fucking person who can deliver a baby or I don't know, fix maybe Parcheesi squares injuries provided it's not his daughter. <laughs> the risk management is so bad out of Janeway. Like we're going to have all our eggs in one basket and uh, we're going to put him out in a death cart as much as we possibly can. 
as soon as we get to, the ability to. To be fair, they were training a secondary doctor. It just happened to be a mayfly who turned into uh, Goku and and hit Super Saiyan. So they were training a backup physician. She just happened to have super psychic mind powers and evolved into another plane of existence. I don't. I can't. Bl- I can't. I can't blame her. Like, how, how do you see know. that I mean, coming? How many doctors would you say was be reasonable for a ship stuck in the middle of the danger zone with 150 people in it? I would say three doctors. Regardless, put some fucking hollow meters up. Train some other doctors. Do both. I mean, God forbid COVID nineteen got loose on that ship. <laughs> it would be so bad. Maybe. They'd be fucked. No toilet paper and no doctors. Um, So a bunch of other. Oh, oh, uh, you know, the other highlight of the episode, like you noted, is uh, the doctor getting all over Bolana's case. She had taken the uh, hollow emitter and put it in one of the science labs. And in classic cringe TV, the second they turn their back and walk out, terrible cgi borgish tentacles start shooting out of the hollow emitter and jamming into the l cars you know digital black panels and assimilating it it's like so cliche whatever but doctors all up in balana's business at like 6 a.m on the dot and we've got some excellent insight into the expanded world of the lack of starfleet privacy not only can you not lock your doors but there's like some straight up space ball shit going on. The doctor doesn't ring the phone. He just appears on Bellana's view screen like, hey, get up and fix me. And and, you know, fuck you. Also, you made me have to watch my daughter die. <laughs> I got no sympathy <laughs> for you. And she's like, hey, get off my nuts. Today's my day off. I get to sleep in. And then he forces the video signal to go into her bathroom, as you pointed out before, as she's undressing. She's like, hey get out of my space. And he's like, listen, I already saw them titties. NBD. <laughs> That's literally his excuse. Like, whatever. I've seen them before. I'm a doctor. That doesn't, you know, so, like, bruh. Like, how, how is this possible? Like, is, is personal privacy just not a thing in the 24th century? I think it is, right? Because people's doors are locked sometimes when they never, when they never. One time, the there's only one time ever a door is locked. It's Harry Kim when he's having his little nightmare during uh, the Chakotay Dream Warrior episode. And, and Janeway has to force her way in. But she's got, like, Bolana chilling in her, her nightgown, like, you know like uh just 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 please no turns the thing off but yeah he just like pops into the bathroom no fucks given whatsoever it obviously disturbs bolana so i i do think that like this is fuck this is supposed to be fucked up and not something that like is common in the 24th century this is just the doctor just being that butthurt over not having his his mobile emitter and also nope. it 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 allowed Roxanne Dawson to demonstrate, yes, I have lost all of that baby weight. And I'm looking great. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, So then we switch over to Timmy Dipshit Ensign Mulcahy, who... Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. We're not to Timmy Dipshit Ensign Mulcahy yet. Uh, We get a spectacular uh, checkup on the bridge where we find out Ensign Kim has actually been, like, in command of the vessel on the night shift somewhat recently uh he's uh you know sitting he's chilling in the captain's chair when chakotay comes to to relieve him and he's like i had to i had to change direction on the ship like 11 times and i've i've done all these sensor sweeps and he's like feeling himself a little bit you know he's had that first taste of authority and his boss is like oh, good job little buddy i'm gonna mess you mess, you know mess your hair a little bit you did it well this isn't the first time we've seen him sitting in charge uh, previous episode, which was night. We had Harry Kim holding down the bridge solo for extended stints. So, um, you know, he's he's been around. Uh, I do think it's hilarious that there is this entire scene basically dedicated to. Look at me, I got leadership skills I'm developing, I'm, you know, command track 
maybe I might be getting a promotion this season, but absolutely we all know that I'm not, and I'm going to be an ensign forever, and this seems like a real cruel <laughs> joke, basically. He also I points think... out that uh, this this nebula is dangerous as fuck, and, uh, you know, what? why is Voyager just chilling out looking at a goddamn nebula that could crush it like a beer can? Who knows? It's It's Voyager. It wouldn't be so, Voyager unless they did hang out there needlessly. They did a, a quick. The next scene is uh, Ensign Jabroni going into the clear trap and for some reason not uh, in any way, shape or form learning anybody to what's going on. Instead, just is like, I think I want to get my face close to this horror show as I possibly can before alerting anyone in the crew of what's going on. That scene. So Timmy dipshit Ensign Mulcahy. <laughs> Goes to report to work, and not only does he work in the transporter room, but apparently he also works in the science lab. And uh, when you speak lines on Voyager, you get all the jobs. So he opens up. All we see is the whole, all the walls and the doors bathed in green light, along with Timmy Dipshit. And he's like, wow, what's this? Looking at what we will later turn around and see is super obviously a fucking big Borg power node, right? And here's a, a very frustrating part of this episode is where where does Starfleet, where does Voyager crew fit on the I care about Borg at this point? Like prior to uh, Unity, you know, I would say that Voyager should be on the same wavelength with the rest of Starfleet. And that is scared shitless at all things Borg related, right? The Borg are the ultimate bad guy that have brought the Federation to its knees on several occasions and being assimilated as a fate worth than death. And I would think that if you saw a Borg infestation, uh, like you said, it's call Tuvok, call the captain, call Balana, not walk in there with a curious twinkle in your eye until you get stabbed in the fucking neck, which is what happens. It's, it's insane. Like you, you are part of death ship Voyager You've been on this crew for more than four years, dodging all manner of danger along the way, and you walk into this room and you see clear Borg shit happening, right? Like, you don't have to be an expert in the collective to be like, I know that green glow wherever I fucking see it. Hey, everybody, we got a fucking problem down here because it wasn't like this when I left it. Hey, this is weird. Seven of nine has gone rogue again and is assimilating the ship because it's happened like three times at this point. This is really dangerous. Uh, I need help, but whatever. He he wanders in there. He gets zapped in the fucking neck and uh, we get a hop, skip and a jump ahead to reported Borg signals. I believe it starts with seven of nine, her proximity locator or some sort of Borg doodad inside of her detecting other Borg presence. So she calls up to the bridge, or I think maybe she goes up there and tells Chakotay, hey, listen, I'm getting reports from my Borg parts that there's other Borg in the area. And Chakotay, taking a page out of Timmy Dipshit's books, like, well, we'll look into it, but we're not going to tell the captain because who cares about the Borg? We've we've been there. We've done that. We don't care. Harry chimes in with some stuff about, uh, oh, they can't be in the nebula because that nebula is so, so nebulous it would crush a Borg cube. And it's like, okay, Harry, since when did you become an expert on, on what the Borg can and can't Was this a byproduct of you getting your ass kicked by species eight, four, seven, two, and almost you dying weaknesses. You just got downloaded. Yeah. Whatever. And they find out, Hey, there's some funny power fluctuations in the science bay. And once you know it, that's where the doctor's hollow meter is and send a security team. We're going to go check it out blah 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 eventually the inevitable happens and we get the the reveal that hey look some real borg shit has happened down here and uh it's like this this metal box that is in the middle where the science station used to be uh ensign jabroni is on the ground uh where he deserves in pain uh, he's he has no more words the rest of this episode. He's carted off to sick bay, never to be seen again. Hopefully, just flushed out the airlock. Like we we just can't handle someone that doesn't tell us that this is what's happening. 
And uh, what the episode conveys is that this is a Borg maturation chamber. And there is a Borg baby inside. This baby has been formed from DNA. Jabroni DNA has combined with Borg pixie dusk and the uh, mobile emitter. 29th century technology. To make a super Borg baby. And they they figured this out, I think, just kind of basically in the one scene, right? They, they're doing all the scans. Uh, then they go to Astrometrics and they're like doing extra scans and they, they put it all together pretty quick. Like, and they the find out the, baby ac- the transport's is- an accident, put the Amanda probes on the, the thing. And then, uh, you know, it, it started doing wild board shit. And we find out that the baby is going to be uh, born in a matter of hours. So uh, on top of everything else, we're getting heavy retread off of the TNG episode, The Child, which is when Belana, I'm sorry, uh, Deanna Troy gets pregnant by some celestial entity and it super matures and it's going to go through all the same growing pains that this thing does. Uh, We get some terrible CGI scenes of the baby growing up in the maturation chamber. Uh, and eventually we prayed in the complete fucking idiot that will be uh, portraying Catherine Janeway this episode. Oh, yeah. She made a real fucking triumphant return, didn't she? It's Catherine Janeway's quarters is just a series of tubes filled like back to tanks with with different clones <laughs> different. floating in it. And right. some of the clones are like super smart and great captains. And there's like inbred clones that are just complete fucking morons. And that's one of those that gets hatched out for this one. Uh, we did the season four rip and I praised the fact that Catherine Janeway is not infallible and that she has some very human grounded flaws and that I appreciate those. But this is. This is goes beyond that. This is the two dimensionally stupid Catherine Janeway that just ignores all common sense. And let's, it's just let's like, cut. Let's cut to the, the heart of the matter. There is zero rationale. There is zero reason that would be objectively acceptable under any circumstance to let what you know to be a hyper advanced Borg drone to come to fruition in your ship, knowing it could just immediately kill you all. And on top of that, possibly endanger all life in the entirety of the galaxy by improving the Borg with its technology, right? Like that's what we're talking about. Like that, there is no rationale for this. This is the Hugh question times a million. Like the whole Hugh thing was they wanted to turn him into a weapon. He kind of started to regain his personality and, and Picard balked at, at, at sending him in to be basically a, a bomb into the collective. Right. Cause he felt like it wasn't ethical. This is, there's a nuke that's about to go off. We have no idea if it's going to like explode in flowers or fiery death, but we can just prevent this from happening at any time before it hits zero on the countdown meter. Let's just see what happens. It's Chakotay, fucking insane. Who got my MVP for last season for being the voice of reason. Any of the lines that he should have to object and say, this is completely fucking bonkers and not worth the risk at all. Those lines instead go to seven of nine who says, this is too risky. I am Borg. I'm telling you how this is going to go down, how this could go down. And exactly what you said. If he joins the collection with his 500 years in the future hyper technology, it is going to exponentially increase the the power. And that's it's its own thing. This fucking mobile emitter with the hyper tech from Captain Caveman and uh, Ed Bagley Jr. Uh, futures end. Like the fact that up to this point, and I don't know if they ever do address it, that the time cops never come back and try to reclaim this wildly powerful technology that should not be in the past is very surprising. Um, 
this completely removes the doctor's ability to leave sick bay, which means there's no more doctor for the rest of the ship. Uh, it is such a wild card of what could happen that it is just. It, it's a real standout moment for how dumb Janeway is going to be about this thing. And like you said, they don't know anything about it and they're just playing with fire. Uh, if only there was just an episode like, oh, I don't know, two episodes ago where someone directly confronted Janeway and said, listen, you saved the Borg's life when you struck a deal and got him around species 8472 or whatever, space Mewtwo's. And then billions of people died when the Borg assimilated my entire culture and fucked up the rest of the Delta Quadrant. And now here she is playing with fire again, about to radically uplift them into 29th century technology. Like she's just this doesn't fit in. It's stupid. It's completely ignorant of her own past actions. And she's a cardboard cutout. That's just there to say, I'm pro-life. Let the baby live. Consequences <laughs> be damned. Seven yeah. and nine. You're going to be the mommy and you're going to like make sure he's good. And you're going to turn him into a real productive member of the crew. And the rest of my crew is going to be just honky dory with this. And no one's going to lift a fucking finger to tell me how terrible and stupid it is short of one security guy who ends up in a couple scenes because he's like part of the escort watching the drone and finally matures. And this guy's face like half the time is like, what the fuck is going on? What am I doing here? <laughs> Stevie noticed the same guy in the background. He's like, look at that fucking guy. Like he's doing all the acting. In this what scene. the fuck is going? I'm going to tell everybody when I get off work, I'm going to go to the mess hall and I'm going to tell everybody about this crazy fucking Frankenstein. They let the thing live. It comes out. And it uh, I, it looks like a remember the the nineties Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, I said he looks like a Ninja Turtle. Yes, he, he looks, looks like, like a, he looks like if RoboCop was a Ninja Turtle. Yes, like the yes. front of his face is like tucked into a metallic back of the head. I believe this is the same actor who played Timmy Dipshit Mulcahy. No, different guy. Really? So yeah. they gave. AV speaking lines and then I figured that that was you know because it's a clone of him right that's where the biomatter came from that fused you sure they're separate people yeah I looked it up because I assumed the same thing uh it's actually the same guy who played the Nazi in the killing game like the the hardcore holographic Nazi that convinces the, the guy uh, who knocked Balan up yeah really it's the same guy yeah uh, but it's not the guy who plays Ensign Jabroni I'm disappointed because that this guy and I guess there's only so much you can do, but like this Borg is just so fucking terrible. This was a very fatiguing episode to watch. I've not he, seen something this stupid was, since concerning flight. This was a hard he, one. He was like if a Ninja Turtle from the mid 90s live action Ninja Turtle movies was crossed with Niles from Seinfeld or not from Seinfeld from uh, from Frazier uh, Frazier. Yes. Yeah. He's, yes. He's, yes. He, yes. He talked like Niles from Frasier and it was so, so weird. Even the his like tenor, his voice tenor sounded so much like that actor whose name unfortunately escapes me. But and he looks like he's got a stick up his ass the whole time. He's just super upright. They've got him in this tin foil bodysuit that looks stupid with some glowing L wire knockoff Tron lights. And he's just the fucking bee's knees, wouldn't you know? It? He's so smart. He, you know, reprograms the warp core, and later on he'll go on to like supercharge shields and weapons. And he's got internal transporters. And like, watch out, Superman! There's a new ten out of ten in town. Like, yeah, he he's instantly a healthy McHelperson. Like he's friendly with everybody. Like he he says please and thank you in front of Jane Way. Mm -hmm. Like he's this kind of rape seven and nine. You know, it's just <laughs> she goes Jesus. to like program him, and he, he's like, "Uh, no, I don't want to do what you're saying. Give me my my designation. Lay some Borg shit on me." And then she's like, "We're not Borg." And he's like, "Uh, yeah." And then she's like, "Well, here, you can have a little bit of mommy's milk," and. uh, <laughs> I'm going to put my tubes in you. You're going to put your tubes in me. And he's like, oh, OK. Hey, I like this. I want more. And she's like, no, stop. You're hurting. Uh, uh. So we go back to whatever that well, episode that will not be named. 
she has to break off the connection. He's just too hungry. He's kind of assimilating her somehow, whatever. And they decide they're going to go and uh, get some old engine parts called Borg data cubes. And they're going to slowly feed him information on what Voyager's about, what life in the 24th century is, and wean him slowly into sentience and personality. It's just everything you'd expect. It's garbage. And then suddenly he wants to know, who's my real dad? And Seven's like, oh, God, I never wanted to talk about, you know, that guy. It was just a fling. You know, I'd never. (laughs) So he deduces like, yeah, I was an accident. I'm not supposed to be here. Mom just got wild at a truck stop. And and here I am now. He he's going tromping around the ship, looking like a bad Power Rangers villain. Like a, time, <laughs> a bunch of bunch of buddies are gonna come out. You know, it's so by the numbers from this point. And I feel like I'm repeating myself from like a half dozen episodes from season four at a minimum. Jerry Ryan does as best she can. Like she goes out there and she tries to make the face acting work with like subtle emotion of like how this is impacting her, and she's just. She's just being asked to do that in service of a plot that's so predictable and pointless. And it's the it's the worst impulses of the this is yet another step on the journey of Seven of Nine becoming a real girl nonsense that we have become so tired of. So I know there's going to be this Eship guy who gets his yeah, eye pulled out and killed. Yeah, because you, you, we got spoiled. You got spoiled on that because of Picard, but like. This was obviously a dry run at like an angle that they wanted to go with with this character. And then they did this and they're like, oh, I didn't. Let's let's actually like make this a thing. Balana and Tom's bad boy status was already uh, appropriated by outsider seven of nine. And now we've kind of made her an insider as well. So what's the next thing we can steal from our pre-existing characters? Ah, of course. Balana's motherhood to all rogue AI. So this is the next iteration (laughs) of that. Um, and there is some, like you said, there's some good face acting out of her, particularly when he says, uh, thank you to her and it, it gets her in the feels. And I was like, okay. Yeah, and the end of the episode too, I would say like the final, the final, like, you know, three minutes where she's deals with the drone sacrificing its life and then kind of like reflecting yeah. on that remorse before like, the she... doctor goes in there and rips his chip out of that guy's face. Yeah. He like loots the fucking corpse. Like, all right. <laughs> Time to get my time to get my shit back. You gotta dig that out of your brain. You, it's like you know he did it. So the real star of this show, though, is Dummy Janeway. She is so blind at every turn. It is such a pain to watch her spit these terrible, stupid lines out of her mouth and needlessly endanger the crew. And then she lays out a couple of gems, and there are some strong connections of this to previous episodes. Scorpion, obviously I've already touched on in that the threat she is posing to wildly upgrading the Borg is the same playing God. She did when she saved the Borg from getting their asses kicked by the space Mewtwo speciates four seven two whatever the second. And it really was highlighted for me um, under this uh, she lays out the, the first gem line, which is the Borg are the most destructive force we've ever encountered. Shut the fuck up, Catherine Janeway. <laughs> Shut your fucking mouth up. What? I mean, obviously a lie. You're lying because if you thought that, then you wouldn't have made a deal, you know, with the Borg to save them from extinction at the hands of species A472. Why, Arturus, you're completely right. Thank you for joining yeah. us on this podcast. <laughs> Here's the real infuriating one, though. And I quote, you may have been unexpected, but given time, you'll be a fine addition to the crew. If only those words could have been said about a certain Mr. Tubix. Oh, there's a lot of parallels to the episode Tubix where you have a wild accident, specifically a transporter accident fusing crew members together and getting a byproduct that might be dangerous, might be a benefit, but uh, she specifically calls him a new form of life and that that's our mission is to seek out new life and blah, 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 blah. And I know we don't like to talk about Tuvix 
we being the showrunners, but it happened. She murdered him. And yet here she is saying, no, you need to be alive. We're going to tolerate this crazy threat to the entirety of the galaxy and whatever. Especially after Taryn blew our minds with the fact that they have referenced in pro- in episodes like their shared knowledge. The you know, Vulcan with- funeral dirges. Yeah. So wouldn't you know it? Uh, the Borg do finally find out about this guy and the transponder that seven had deactivated, you know, his super future tech had generated another one in the form of a blinky light on his neck or something silly. And we see not a Borg cube, but we see a Borg sphere flying in hot to come uh, check out and see what this new signal is. So the uh, this is like a super sphere. It's not like a jabroni sphere, like the one that gets blown up in first contact. This one apparently got like tactical abilities. Long range actually, tech. Yeah, they, they explain that on camera. They don't just be like, have them get uh, jumped by this thing. They briefly explain it's a super sphere. And, uh, you know, the the inevitable happens. They get into a fight. They start to lose. And the drone because he's perfect and awesome and a precious boy decides to beam his Ninja Turtle ass onto the sphere with his own personal teleporter, you know, cause he's, he's, he's a, uh, he's a Mary Sue. He's the Mary Sue turned Ninja Turtle. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's an episode title. I finally got one. Mm-hmm. Mary Sue Ninja Turtle. And, uh, basically take hijacks the, uh, navigation on the sphere and makes it dive into the, uh, nebula to have it like crushed it's a cool cg effect yes that is the one cool thing in this whole fucking episode is watching a a fucking massive borg vessel fly into uh that nebula and get crushed it is what the borg cube slamming into planet synth should have been in picard and said we got cheated into flowers somehow uh and the the sphere explodes and everybody's like, oh, no, but wait, he's still alive because he's erected a series of forest fields around himself and he's alive and scooting his way out of the nebula somehow. And they pick him up. And the Borg pieces are OK, but the Mulcahy pieces are not. He's got some pretty cool. Um, makeup effects going on, like massive bleeding under his skin, basically. Mm hmm. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to need to operate on you. And he's like, well, listen, um, if I'm still alive, they're going to know that I'm here and they're going to want to chase me forever. And you guys are never going to be safe. I'm sure we are all very familiar with the the trope that I'm too dangerous to be around, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I need to die just like in next gen all those times that, you know, that guy had to die in next gen. And he erects new force fields around himself. The doctor can't get through. And we get a little try hard gut wrenching scene between him and seven and nine, as he says, bye bye, mommy. It's the best scene in the episode. They try to put some emotion into it, but it's the entire premise up to this point. It's just so mind bendingly stupid as to why anyone on the ship would allow this to occur. Like you think back to the scene where he shows up in engineering, right? This was earlier in the episode. And like Bolanus is kind of bitchy about, you know, him being there instead of like she do. Yeah, but like not actually concerned that seven of nine has brought an experimentally hyper advanced Borg drone that was born mere hours ago into the nerve center of the, you know, ship's, uh, you know, explosive uh you know uh incredibly important and sensitive uh to be fair, to be fair joe was it not balana torres herself that put a space gimp sex robot right next to that very warp core yeah i guess she's kind of not is that not the yeah. same balana torres that took a fucking mutant salamander tom paris and put him in an iron lung hooked up to that same warp core before he got loose and shot what, the joint she... up even though she, even then she knew she wanted to get at that D, that lizard D. You know, she's just she's low key jealous of Janeway. The warp core in the main engineering on Voyager may as well be a fucking Airbnb. Okay, 
<laughs> visitors can just go there, spend the night, wheeze some plasma, fucking shoot the joint up, call it a night, whatever. I think the greatest insult that we can give this episode is that we have reached 45 minutes and we're done talking about it. Yeah, That man. never fucking happens. Ever. It was... This is as hard as it was for me to come up with three bad episodes last season. Like we're two episodes into this one. And already I'm like, this is, this is definitely going on my wall of shame as a terrible fucking episode to no one's surprise. The memory alpha is nothing but glowing about this. Thing. Yeah, man. God. And you, and you said it, I think when we reviewed, uh, uh, concerning flight, like, they motherfuck themselves so rarely that it takes just some god awful shit for them to be have that self awareness that they made a turd, and for whatever reason, like it's just filled with praise at every level. There's no awareness whatsoever of like, man, I think we made a boring piece of shit. Paint by numbers, you know, uh, seven of nine becomes a single mom and. Uh, episode here where we have to make Janeway into a complete fucking idiot for it to make any sense whatsoever. This might be the worst portrayal of Janeway we've ever seen. Like, she did more heinous shit in Scorpion, but the motivation and the emotion was there, and even though it was a terrible choice, it was still a choice you could see where she was coming from. This is just reckless and stupid and yeah. and again, it, it's not as like... As, bad, as far as bad as Scorpion was, they at least tried to justify her actions. And there was good conflict between her and Chakotay and whatever. This is just, hey, I got a terrible fucking idea. I'm going to be as two-dimensional cardboard cut about it as I can, and people are just going to go around in this ramrod fucking shit episode. Like, shame on the guys who wrote this. It was fucking terrible. Um, did you see what the episode was originally supposed to be? It was supposed to be Tom Paris flying around with Borg chasing him and then he crash lands on a planet and his arm gets ripped off and uh, the locals who are tech handy uh, reattach his arm using Borg parts and it creates like this Franken Tom, which seems infinitely more interesting. I am always uh, look, you say what you want about uh, threshold, but like I'm always down for Tom becoming a monster episodes. <laughs> Um, they're like, oh no, that's too gory. And I'm like, have you seen the past couple seasons of Voyager? Like Voyager Whoa, follows yeah. the gore. Voyager yeah, cooks two box brain. Voyager slits people's throats. Voyager brains uh, people on telepath planets with like with, vases and shit. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've Going had, back, we've, we've had back. some bloody moments. Uh, Voyager has. Uh, sexy time Kess psycho crush people and blow blood spurts out of their face holes <laughs> sexy vampire cat guess oh man what a classic so if you're telling me we can't just rip Tom's episode or uh, arms off for a minute or two whatever this is this is one of the worst Voyager episodes I've ever watched I, I watched the clock consistently through this whole thing and uh, it could not be over soon enough and I can't say anything nice about it. This was terrible. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. I thought it was a Ninja Turtle. That's what I put in. But yeah, this guy looks. This is quintessential Power Rangers villain. Yep. Yeah, he should have a squad of putties with him. They should all be wiped out by a bunch of teenagers, and then he should get really large and fight a Megazord. That's that's what he looks like. Right down to stupid lighting. I want to also be observant of the fact that. A while ago, you forecast that Voyager does really bad damage to their treatment of the Borg. And I think this is a strong entry to it in that you are completely destroying the scope and the as if any scope and scale to the Borg was still left after the space Mewtwo's were one shot in cubes. Here you have Voyager and granted they had, you know, Super Saiyan Goku on their end handling the business form, but, you know. Voyager just completely crushing and destroying a, a sphere on their own. So I, I think it's safe to say that the Borg at this point are no longer big bads. They're just other dudes roaming around yeah. the galaxy. Who... They're medium bads. They've turned the 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 tide of cybernetic zombies uh, into into medium bad guys into clown cars that just roll in and get clowned. 
So, uh, yeah, we're there. R.I.P. You got anything else to say about this turkey? No, sir, except to ask, what are we watching next week? We're going into season five, episode three, Extreme Risk, and we got uh, seven rolling down the hall. There's a very determined looking uh, Bellana Tours, and she's got some American gladiator armor on. To cope with the loss of her Alpha Quadrant Maquis friends, Bellana secretly participates in several dangerous holodeck programs. This sounds awesome. That was one of the best part of the Herojin plot line was the revelation that all the Maquis had been wiped out and that those Maquis on Voyager were the only remaining living Maquis. And uh, it hit her very hard in a very rich, uh, compressed grieving process with Chakotay. So I think this sounds really cool. It is a Bolana focused episode, and as as we have reflected in the past and every other Bolana focused episode, they are wild swings at the uh, at the at the fences every time. Uh, and uh, Raxan Dawson never leaves anything on the table, and this will not be uh, this will not be different. I assure you. So we had a little bit of spoiler on this one. I, I know there's some skydiving that's going to go on because of some discussion on the trauma support group about holodeck physics. Yeah. And again, you know, how can you really be in danger during it? And I can't shake the thought of someone suspended in the air in a skydiving simulation and then like a floor generating on the ground and then just slamming up into them like some sort of haunted house death trap floor (laughs) on hydraulics, smushing them in the ceiling. I don't know, maybe the doctor will force himself onto a view screen and, and watch it happen. Who knows? He's getting real kinky these days. All right, man, I look forward to reviewing it with you, and thank you to everybody who listens week in and week out. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. 